BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'll burn out. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. If you all are new here, my name is Kinsey. I am the host of the I Love You So Much podcast. Today, we have Mallory Irvin on the show. Mallory Irvin is one of those angels that just is somehow on this earth. She is absolutely incredible. I read her book and that is when I knew I absolutely had to have her on the show. I just think so highly of her. She's so like she's the cutest person ever, but she just has so much. I don't know if like fierceness is the right word. Maybe that sounds kind of lame. I'm not sure. She's very strong and I am obsessed with her. I think she's the greatest person ever. If you guys have not read her book, you absolutely need to. We're talking a lot about identity. We're talking about avoiding pain. We're talking about like living life in your 20s, actively choosing to live fully. I think like my greatest fear in life is living a mediocre life or just kind of maybe not living up to my potential. And because I do that, maybe failing. And so she was just such a good person to have on the show. You guys are absolutely going to love this episode. You're going to leave feeling so good about your day. Just wanted to remind you guys, we have a New York live show, June 20th. The GA tickets and VIP tickets are available. So I will have that linked below. Margaret Austria is our guest. It's going to be the best night ever. If you guys are in the city or you're anywhere near New York City, you need to make it. You need to be there. I cannot wait to meet you guys. It's going to be so much fun. We're also probably going to have the new um, Breadwinning Housewife launch like merch there and you guys are going to love it. Okay. So anyways, without further ado, let's welcome Mallory on to the show. I'm so glad you were here. I read your book and it was incredible. And I'm a big reader and it's like top, it's up there. Truly. That is just the nicest thing. I really (laughs) appreciate that. I have a podcast too. And I always read everyone's books that come on my podcast. Yes. And it's a lot of time, especially like when you're doing all the things that you and I are doing. It's a lot of time to read a book. So I really appreciate when people actually read the book. So thank you. I read <laughs> all the time, but I read every single person who comes on the show because I just think it's important. Also, my notes for this episode, I was going over them yesterday in the plane and I was like, I actually feel like I'm in church right now. Like that was <laughs> how so moving sweet. it was. I was like, wow. But it was you're just so sweet. I have like thank direct you. quotes from you. Like thank that you. is how passionate. I am. Also, are you an Enneagram 3? Yes. Did you say that in there? Because uh-huh. I didn't know what personality types it was. I didn't say it in there, but okay. I'm a three-wing two. Me so. too. The, are you? Yes. Really? Which okay, is, we're the exact same. I was like, because I kept waiting for you to say it in the book. And then I was like, maybe I missed it. But a lot of like overachieving issues. And that is completely me. So maybe I'm like, there's like a deeper issue as to why I love the oh, book there, so there, much. There always is, you know, yeah. as all these things that surface are never the real thing. So three wing twos, when they are operating badly, are really bad. Mm -hmm. And three wing twos, when they are operating at their full capacity, they're Oprah and Tony Robbins. And like they are rocking and rolling. They will change the world like they do the most good. I think of any Enneagram type, but they are the ones that can destroy themselves and they can do it all on their own. So So I've been both versions of the three wing (laughs) two. So I can speak to both of your versions, even though you seem like a pretty good, high achieving, good three wing two to me. I'm like, yeah, that's what we'll (laughs) say. Do you also find yourself being friends with a lot of girls that are three wing twos? Mm -hmm. Every one Mm -hmm. of my friends, maybe with the exception of two or three of my closest friends are all three wing twos. 
So my husband is actually a three wing two as well. Wow. How does that work? Which is apparently it can be the kiss of death or it can be like the best relationships. So my husband and I have been in several different relationships. I feel like even in the same relationship together, like he was in relationship with me in my active addiction, like, you know, years and years ago. And then through this whole process. And then now here we are like this thriving, beautiful relationship. And so I feel like operating together, we have been the bad version of three wing two and the fantastic version of three wing two. So there was an Enneagram specialist that I had on my podcast that said, it can be like the most amazing thing, though, if you are this, if you're both okay. aligned and if you're both like the good versions of it, that it can be amazing. So that, it is right now. <laughs> no, that is also just like a three wing two to like find another three wing two. Yeah. Like it's not shocking. That is what I think I need to I need to figure out. There needs to be like a dating Enneagram, Enneagram dating, dating app. app. Like that, I mean, that I don't would think be good. I don't necessarily think the person that I'm looking for would be on the app. But I think it, in theory, it would it would do good. I think that in general, the dating world has shifted so drastically, in my opinion, not necessarily in the best direction. Do you no feel one, bad for me? You should. I feel bad for yeah. you. I do because because I met my husband in a coffee shop. Oh my God. Like I sat <laughs> by you, him. You, do know? you know, people would, people would kill for that these days. Yes. And I hate that. I love social media. Social media is my part, a huge part of my career as it is yours too. So we see all the great things of social media. But I also see that you can judge people really fast. And a lot of times people are not like they are on social media. That's the worst thing in the world when it comes to a relationship. If you see something on the outside and they're a totally different person. But like I saw my goofy husband sitting down at the coffee shop with his like number two pencil, like doing this this thing for work. And I, I mean, I saw who he was like, yeah. it wasn't like a swipe left or right thing. It's very pure. And that pureness is not there anymore. No, it's really not. Uh, it's, and I hate it for you guys. But yeah, people are still getting married and engaged and making it work. At some point. I'm like, <laughs> I, I have a no interest in dating, which is You're so very convenient. Young. So convenient at this point in time. But I do worry for when I'm like, all right, I think I'm like ready to do it. That I'm like, where am I ever going to meet someone? Well, I didn't get engaged and I didn't get married until I was in my early 30s. So I got married at 31, had a baby at 32, 33, 36. I'm about to have this one. And I think the, the biggest recommendation I can give to young people is like, wait until you find the right person. If I had married any of the people that I had met and been with in my 20s, I don't know what my life would look like today. And I think so many people want the marriage more than they want the relationship. And I think like so many things in life, you think things are going to be a certain way. And there's no more important decision that you will make in your entire life than who you marry. And if you do not marry the right person and take the time to marry the right person, you are signing up for like a whole different life. So I hope that I know you have a lot of young people that listen to this. So I hope that these single people don't get too antsy or too burnt out on these apps to wait for the right person. I think that the right people are still out there. You just got to go about a little different way to find them. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's really great advice. I I don't really want to get married until I'm 30 anyway. So Good. it's nice. But even if I were still date, I'm 24, turning 25 this You're summer. A ch- so you feel, are, I you feel, are so young. <laughs> but this is what I tell everyone around me who's like trying to pressure me into dating. But if I was dating even the people that I have dated in my 20s so far, in like with all, I would be not, I'd, not, I'd probably be miserable and I wouldn't be the mm-hmm. same person. Mm-hmm. And I think from that, I've just grown so independent. I love my own company and I just love the life that I've built that the thought of someone coming into my life, just like, I guess they would have to really add value for me to, yes. you know, but now I'm like, I'm yes. so happy here that like that sounds like a lot and it's too much yes, for me. But any relationship should make you better. You shouldn't just have a relationship to like have a relationship. You don't have to check that box off in life. Like you're meant to have a relationship that adds value to your life. And people forget that and they think, oh, you know, I'm not super happy, but like we're working through things. If you're already working through things and it's like the very beginning, I'm sorry to tell you, like there are certain things that you can change, like aspects of the relationship. I had an active addiction problem. Like, you know, obviously that's an aspect of my relationship that made it tumultuous in the beginning. But once that was removed, it was like this perfect relationship. There weren't deep seated issues. And if there are in the beginning, like remember, (laughs) yeah, certain things can get better, but certain things are innate. (laughs) Very true. I would like to introduce y'all to a clean skincare brand called Fleur and Bee. 
Their line of 100% vegan and cruelty-free skincare products are packed with nourishing, effective botanicals, and you won't find any nasty ingredients like parabens, sulfates, or artificial fragrances in any of their products. I've told you all before, my mom is like one of those really healthy organic moms, and she's always talking about the importance of clean skincare. So I'm also making my mom proud, but also it's just crazy when you look at the stuff that you're putting on your skin, what's in it. Like it's it's not it, okay, guys? It's not the vibe. Florin B encourages you to take a moment every day to treat yourself with the best nature has to offer. Their products are carefully formulated to give you healthier, happier skin so you can look and feel your best. Florin B is also conscious of the environment and all of their products are made using renewable wind energy and 100% post-consumer waste packaging boxes. Another reason that I love them is that they give back 1% of every sale to a charity called Days for Girls, which provides menstrual care and education to girls in need. So they are the full package. With Fleur and B, you get ethically made, clean skincare that will not break the bank. All their products are affordably priced at under $40. To check out their product line, just head to fleurandbee.com. That's F-L-E-U-R-A-N-D-B-E-E.com. To sweeten the deal, you can use code I love you and get 20% off. Just head over to fleurandbee.com. That is F-L-E-U-R-A-N-D-B-E-E.com to place your order now. And if you happen to live near a Rite Aid, you can pick up Fleur and Bee products there as well. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the host of Work Party, a podcast for ambitious women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. Work Party is paving the way for a new generation of women, women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. Every Wednesday, we bring in leading female powerhouses for real talk and BS-free advice on building your business. You'll hear from female founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, creatives, and so many other badass ladies. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Then tune into Work Party, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Okay, I have about 17 quotes from your book. So we'll see where you we want to start. Best. I just absolutely loved it. I also think they say a lot of the time for an Enneagram 3, this is the last time I'll mention it, the fear, the innate fear is failure. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is probably a fear of mine. But I think I just work, I outwork it so much that I it's not even my first fear because it's like, it's so deeply rooted that I, I can't even get there because I'm just like working too much. Mm-hmm. Not working mm-hmm. too much. I've actually worked on this the past few years. I'm definitely better than I was. But I think my fear personally is living a mediocre life. Mm -hmm. And so I love what you said. It's like you will never find joy in a life you didn't choose. Mm -hmm. We talk all the time on this podcast about navigating your 20s. That is like a hot topic. And everyone is so confused. And for some reason, people just like don't really talk about it as much as you would think that, that they would. And I just see like my friends around me constantly like unhappy or maybe not like fulfilled in their jobs or in certain relationships. And I think a lot of the time people just like let, we all just let life happen to us. So if someone is in a position where they're just not happy or fulfilled and they're kind of not choosing the life that they're living, they're just choosing maybe what other people they think are expecting of them or the weird like societal expectations. What advice would you give for someone who's trying to kind of break out of that? Yeah. So the quote that you are talking about in the book, it's something that my dad taught us from an early age. My dad is a lot like me in this sense of achievement. He's built this huge telecommunications company from nothing and run a family business for years that has had amazing success. But he's really good at choosing his own happiness and choosing his joy. And he's always been good at that. Even as a young person, he he was good at that. So he always said to us, like growing up, he always said, if you don't choose what makes you happy, like the world will choose it for you. And I never knew what he meant by that until I lived it. And I think you're speaking right to the 20 year olds right now, because I think societal expectations and what your parents think you should do or what your friends are doing is a really big driver. And it's not necessarily one that you would think of as a negative thing. I mean, our parents want the best for, for us and our friends might be happy in that life. But if you get to a point in your life where you have happened upon something that all of your friends are doing, or maybe you're in the career that you spent a really long time in school studying to do, and you really thought you'd be happy doing it, 
I want those people to take a second and assess their lives. We're moving, especially people like you and I are moving 150 miles an hour in life. And if you don't take a moment to say, am I actually happy here now that I've arrived? You will just keep on living and like you'll stay on a hamster wheel and you'll never find true fulfillment. So I would say to those people, stop what you're doing right now. If you're listening to this pod, I believe that people hear the things that they're meant to hear. So I believe that you're meant to hear this right now that you and I are talking about. Stop what you're doing and think, are you fulfilled in this relationship, in this job, on this career path? And if you're not, there is a lot of fear of changing, especially changing something that you've put a lot of work or time or effort into or that you always thought you would do. But I will go ahead and tell you an unfulfilled life is 10 times worse than the strength you'll have to find and the fear and the people you'll have to face to reroute your journey. You don't have to change every single thing in your life, but you do need to assess, especially those big things and say, am I happy in this? And that takes pausing and thinking about and truly thinking about it. So that's what I would say to those people is take a second and think like, are you happy here in this, doing this on your way to this? It's really important. When I kind of had a moment realizing probably around a year and a half ago when I was in the probably one of the worst times ever. I mean, I know we all were in a bad time, but like personally outside of the world, I sat there and I was like, I'm really actually not happy in everything in my life that I thought I wanted. Is that not everything, but a lot of the things that I thought I wanted are not. I was going through a breakup, which is something that I like didn't expect. You know, you expect it, you don't expect it. Kind oh, of the thing. curveballs. I wrote the whole chapter exactly. on it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And I was sitting there and I was like, okay, what I realized from that breakup on top of so many other things that were happening in that time that like led to a ton of change in my life was that I wasn't actually afraid of losing the person. Like I actually didn't even want to be with him. It was... I was afraid of the fear and also having to admit to myself that like I was going 100 miles an hour towards a life I didn't want. Mm -hmm. And I was way more afraid of having to deal with changing that than I was of obviously I think it's easier to stay where you're at. Another thing I did, like practically speaking, that did help me during that time. I've talked about this. Do you do morning pages ever? Do you Mm -hmm. know what that is? Okay, so it's journaling. So I feel like for years, I just kind of pushed out my emotions and I didn't listen to any of them. And I got to the point where I couldn't hear myself and I didn't understand like what I even, I didn't know where certain emotions were coming from. And so my therapist started having me do morning pages. So essentially people do it different ways, but the way I do it is I'll open a journal when I wake up and I write for three pages straight. But the thing is you don't take your like pen off the paper. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I was writing and I was forced to keep writing. And then it gets, sometimes you're literally- It's the subconscious mind. Exactly. And sometimes you're like, I am writing because I have to finish this. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really not that deep. But I found there were so many things that were just like subconsciously there that I didn't realize. Mm -hmm. And that itself, like journaling has really changed my life. Like that made the biggest difference for me. So it's like reading things like your book. I wish I would have read that then. Obviously it wasn't out then. But I just think that- for me, journaling, especially when you're someone who like wants to keep going 24-7, was actually like really healthy. Yes. Journaling it helps you with your awareness. It helps you to take a pause. And you being a three-wing two and someone that's very active, you have to have an active thing yes, that's helping yes. you take a pause. I understand because <laughs> I'm you. So I understand that. And also, like as it's later in life, you're going to see when you're in your 30s one day and you've got however many kids you end up having, you can't wake up and do the morning. Babies. That's what I'm stressed about. This is OK. What, yes. So I'm going to tell you that there are different times in your life where taking a moment to pause and reassess things is going to look different. And you know what's so wonderful about being in your 20s, being pre your forever career or on your way or in the beginning of it, pre marriage and pre kids, all of those things are the golden age of life, truly. Like you are in for the, the people say like your youth is the best part of your life. I think like early family is just nothing gets is better than that. And like you're on your way to that. And what's really wonderful about 20 something year olds now and young people is that, you know, when I was a 20 something year old, I was in the beginning of this book, you know, so you read, I was spiraling out of control. I almost died. I basically walk off the stage of the Miss America pageant and reality TV and all of these amazing things. I'd reached the pinnacle of all the success that I'd wanted. And then I end up in rehab, like, and I didn't even do the type of drugs that I thought people ended up in in treatment centers for. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me because when you can take time to assess your life and the direction that you want your life to go in, 
before it gets to be, I don't want to say too late because it's never too late to change things. But it certainly is much harder to change things once you have kids in the picture, once you're in a forever career, once you're married. So all of these 20-year-olds and young 30-year-olds or teens, whoever the young people are or the pre you know, set in stone life people that are listening to this podcast, you are in such an amazing um, time in your life. And if you can just be intentional, like the trend has been for people your age to be more intentional, to talk about their feelings, it is going to do nothing but like, this is the runway that you're about to take off to the most amazing life. And if you can just chart your course correctly and be in the right state of mind and the right place in your life, it can be so powerful. Now, I want to say a word of caution because there are a lot of young people right now that have gotten into the field that I'm in and the field, you know, that you're in too, that I used to go around and talk whenever I was 24 and 25. I was Miss Kentucky. I spoke to, you know, hundreds of schools in the year that I was reigning. And I used to speak on my version of living fully back then. And you don't know what you don't know, you know? Mm -hmm. So I thought that the hard things that I'd been through in my life had really taught me the lessons that like I needed to know. And I spoke on those things. I didn't know any different. And it was a great speech. It really connected to a lot of people. But it wasn't, it wasn't until I went through what I went through that I was like, oh my gosh, this is the stuff. This is the stuff that's, that is going to make my life truly full and different for the rest of it. And so I think a lot of 20 year olds right now, like it's a, it's like, oh, gosh, things have been so bad. Like I've experienced all this stuff and like maybe they have. But I really encourage them to like get a shovel out and like try and get to the bottom of it before you get to the big things in life. If you have the time, which you think you're the busiest person in the world when you're 25. I thought I was the busiest person in the world. And now looking back, I'm like what did I do? Yes. (laughs) What did I even do? Now I don't have like one second in the day and I'm like, man, I really thought I was busy and I really could have had a lot of time to figure some of these things out. So I just want to give a lot of encouragement to young people because it's prime time to figure this kind of stuff out and that you're a very good example of that as a 20 something year old person who's talking about it, who's done it, who will continue to do it. And I think it's a really great thing that there are podcasts and TikTok and all these things where young people are sharing their experiences of figuring life out because it's a lot to figure out sometimes. (laughs) I have been traveling like crazy and just been so busy. And let me tell you what has been changing my life. It is Green Chef, okay? Y'all know Breadwinning Housewife is kind of my thing. I love cooking. I think I'm Martha Stewart Jr., okay? And sometimes... I really want to cook, but I just don't have like a ton of time to like find the recipes, figure out what I want, go grocery shopping, doing all that stuff. And Green Chef truly has saved the day, okay? If y'all didn't know, Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. They have options for every lifestyle that include keto and paleo, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, and gluten-free. Whether you are looking for carb-conscious, gluten-free, plant-based, or calorie-conscious options, or just a way to have delicious balanced dishes. Green Chef has flavorful feel-good recipes that are sure to satisfy. Overall, it just makes cooking really easy. So you spend a lot less time stressing and more time enjoying the delicious home-cooked meals. I love them too because they have pre-made and pre-measured sauces, dressings, and spices to give you more of a chef-curated flavor in less time. You're also able to avoid the long lines in the grocery store, which is incredible. It also saves you time by cutting down on weekly meal planning, prepping, and grocery shopping. Also, I'm going to give you a little life hack. They have directions with photos, okay? And those photos, they save your life. They make it so much easier. Green Chef is also the most sustainable meal kit and offsets 100% of our carbon footprint. With Green Chef, you're reducing your food waste by at least 25% versus grocery shopping, according to a HelloFresh global food waste study. So go to greenchef.com slash I love you 130 and use code I love you 130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. Again, that is greenshoff.com, code I love you 130, and use code I love you 130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. What I say to myself, like as my reasoning for not even reasoning, I think I think I use it as an excuse to like make a decision, but I have the least amount of responsibility I'll ever have. And then I tell that to my friends all the time who are unhappy in their jobs. And I'm like, if you want to make a change, 
It's the not that any change is easy, but it's the easiest time, in my opinion, it to do it. It kind of is kind of know? easy, though, especially when you're unattached. Yes. It, it is the easiest time. So there's no excuse not to do it, really. Mm-hmm. You have to take into consideration the things like paying your bills and, you know, the things that are going to come along with a career shift or whatever it is that you want to change. But you also have not lived in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And I'm here to tell you, as a person that's lived in 20s and 30s, you it does get harder to, to shift paths, but it's not impossible. But if you don't shift paths, like when things are easy and you're unattached, you're probably going to be a person that's just really going to like live life as life comes to you. And I don't believe that that is a path to true fulfillment and living fully. I think that, yes, ride the waves of life. And I think take the opportunities and don't get dead set on one thing. But I also think that deciding like what makes you happy, reassessing what makes you happy, thinking about like, is this the life that I want to live? Do I feel good in it? We're not going to feel good all the time, you know, but do I feel good in it? Does this feel right? And making changes when you need to make changes. Um, I think that's the way to true fulfillment and to not leading to go back to the original question, not leading a mediocre life. A mediocre life is someone that wants comfort and ease. And I think that comfort and ease are the enemy of fulfillment. And unfortunately, now this day and age and probably social media has something to do with it because we only see the good stuff. I believe that people value like life being comfortable and easy. They don't want to strike a nerve. They don't want really to experience pain that they would sometimes rather a comfortable life than they would a full one, one that's full of true fulfillment because one that is, is really vibrant is one where you're going to really experience lows. You're going to suffer. There are going to be things that you have to walk through. And as a person who used to numb everything out and it was comfort and ease, and as a person who's lived on the other side of it, I can tell you that a life on the other side of it is there's just no comparison. I would hate for someone to go through life not realizing that when you're avoiding pain, like you should be more afraid of avoiding this full life that will include pain. I believe that so many people are so fearful of experiencing things that are going to cause them pain that they'll just keep doing the same things uh, over and over. And it's just, a sh- it's, it's a shame. I used to live that way. You asked this question, one of my quotes in the book, why am I so fearful of adversity when it seems that every person I admire was literally built from it? I have a whole section on here on paid avoidance. Now I'm in therapy, but I'm like, I I think I'm looking for human tendency. I think it's a human tendency to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. But it was so interesting you saying that because that is so true. Anyone that you really connect with, it's always, in my opinion, on a level of like like vulnerability. So it is so interesting that we always... We avoid pain so much, but then we admire those who have really Mm -hmm. dealt with it and who speak to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's wild. It's one of those awareness things because sometimes the things that are, that are actually the reality, whenever you think about them like that, it's like, oh, duh, then I'll be fine facing these things, this adversity that comes my way. And then it comes your way and you just say, oh but I would rather not. (laughs) Like, I would rather just, you know, numb it out or like scoot on by it because we don't want to experience the pain. Maybe it's a little bit of pain. Maybe it's a lot of pain. That whole chapter that you're talking about, I wrote when I was home in Kentucky. I grew up on this farm with 23 first cousins. I'm the oldest of all of them. My grandparents still live in the center of the farm and he is just like the ideal person. I know so many people think this about their grandparents and that whole generation. And when I thought about his life that weekend, And I was like, what makes him so amazing? Like, what is it? And I was thinking about these things. And I said to him, I I was over there and I was like, I'm going to write a chapter on this. And I ended up writing this chapter in 30 minutes. And the chapter that's in the book is the chapter that like I wrote straight through. There's hardly any edits to that chapter. I feel like I was very divinely led in that chapter. But I went about it in a way of I'm going to figure out what it is that he tells me to do so I can be like him. And I said, Papa, you know, because he his. um mother was married at 12 back in Kentucky like it was like a thing which is just crazy she had him at 14 he was a 13 pound baby he that was her second child oh my gosh he watched his dad like run into a burning house to save their family's guns and watched him die right in front of him watched his sister die right in front of him she pushed pushed him off a bike and um she didn't make it and he did he is born of so much pain and so I asked him that weekend I said what how did you get through all the hard things that happen in your life. And he looked at me and he said, we didn't have any hard things happen. You know, we had a good life. And it made me realize that 
that generation and certain people, they don't see the things that happen to them in life as these these just things that life ending life ending things it's just their life like who wants to experience these hard things in our life and maybe even people listening to this will never experience anything to that level but maybe you will and the fact that he just accepted life like just as life was i said it's like they made a wedding vow to life like i'll take you life you know for richer for poorer for in sickness and in health like i'll honor you and they do they just honor their lives and I just started thinking about it and I started thinking like, I want to live from this day forward, not in avoidance of pain, but in avoidance of, I don't remember exactly how I put it, but like a life that often includes, in avoidance of missing out on a life that often includes it. You know, when you look at even people that everybody on this podcast knows who they are, like Oprah or like a Tony Robbins or like I'm trying to think of people like your generation. Who are the people like the self-help people that you guys look up to? Yeah, I'm thinking I'm like Oprah. You yeah, know, actually, Jenny Allen's book, Jenny Allen. Jenny I love Jenny one. Allen. They've all experienced deep adversity, deep adversity. Not like, oh, I didn't make this list or not. I didn't get into college, but life shattering things. And they made it through it. And it it's not only like I wrote this in that chapter. It's not like I made it through it, but like I was made through this. This made me the person that I am. So when adversity comes my way in life, and it always does, I now at the cusp of it know and am prepared to learn something and my life to be altered in a really special and powerful way because it always happens. All right, guys, don't panic, but Mother's Day is this Sunday. So don't forget to pick up the perfect gift for your mom, grandma, yourself, or a friend. Luckily for you, Macy's has got you covered with their gift finder and amazing gifts at any price. If you need more inspo, you can check out these great ideas at macy's.com slash gift finder. I have so many women that I'm shopping for for Mother's Day, and I love being able to make one order from one place that's covering all of them, okay? Macy's has gifts for every budget, whether you're looking for the coziest slippers for under $25. By the way, those slippers are incredible. Or treating mom to something luxe like Dulce & Gabbana sunglasses. They have it all, okay? Or does your mom love breakfast in bed? You can spoil her with a Revel espresso maker and more top-notch cookware that she deserves. If you're always stealing her makeup and more, give your glam mom a MAC lipstick set or dry wet hair dryer if she is your fashion icon. How about a Steve Madden handbag to polish off her look? When they say they've got something for every mom, they mean it. They have Godiva for the foodie, Fitbits for the gym buddy, philosophy perfume for the beauty obsessed. So head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder to make this Mother's Day an especially memorable one. Plus, you can order mom's gifts online and pick up in store or curbside or get same day delivery powered by DoorDash. I'm telling you guys right now, you need to go Macy's.com slash gift finder, get everything there and you'll make it in time. Okay. It is this Sunday. Do not forget. You also talk about like unhealthy attachments. Mm -hmm. And for you, it's the story of like your hair. Mm -hmm. I think that we can grow unhealthily attached to anything. And oftentimes, unless it's drugs or alcohol, you don't think that you have an unhealthy attachment or addiction, whatever it might be. So I think that that story is so powerful. But what do you think about people in their 20s and having unhealthy attachments? Like, do you think it's the new thing is like social media and people's like almost, I hate the like personal brand, but I mean like every, what people think of them to a new extreme. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. So I went to treatment in the beginning of this book and I was there for five and a half months of my life. And here's the craziest thing is that I didn't smoke marijuana. I didn't (laughs) do illegal drugs. I didn't do all these things that you would think of you know, that like half of them are legal now, you know, I didn't do the things that I thought would be the things that landed you in a treatment center. But here I was, you know, I had an addiction to prescription medication. And um, I was so far gone that like, I almost lost my life to it. But also they kept me there for like five and a half months. But while I was there for five and a half months, it's never the the, uh, substance abuse or whatever it is that like surfaces. It's never the problem. Mm -hmm. It's always what's underneath. So I'd been there for about, I don't know, six weeks or two months. And I had had long blonde hair extensions for 10 years of my life. 
And I know you and I are staring at each other across the table. We both got long blonde hair extensions. Yeah. And now mine are removable, but yours is probably your real hair because... No, I actually have extensions right now. Well, it looks good. I normally don't, but I lost half my hair to COVID. So, <laughs> oh, you know. shoot. Yeah. You know. Oh, COVID hair loss. <laughs> they sent me to like a beauty salon there, like uh, locally close to the treatment center. And they said, we're going to let you get your hair done. And I was like, yes, awesome. So you know? nice of you guys. Okay. <laughs> I must be doing really well. I'm almost done. And they knew what they were doing in this place. They must have dealt with people that had issues in this treatment center before. So they, they turned my chair around. And I wasn't facing the mirror when they were taking my hair out. You know, never had I gone one day without these permanent extensions for 10 years. They were really part of my identity. And I didn't even know who I was without them. And when they took that last extension out of my hair and she turned my chair around and I looked at myself in the mirror, I had a full out of body experience and like my life flashed before my eyes, like I was in a car accident or something. And it was the lowest low that I'd ever hit in my entire life. Not almost dying to substance abuse, not ending up in a rehab center, not, it was when they took my hair out. And it was the beginning of a massive transformation in detaching from this appearance of this person that I was. I was so attached to certain things about my appearance, but I was also really attached to remaining the person that I was because I knew that person. And that person felt safe to me, even though that person almost killed me. I I still wanted to be her. I was so afraid of like becoming something else. And I felt worthless and I felt disgusting. And I just, when they took that hair out. And so I had become literally physically attached to my appearance and to remaining this person that I was with all these accolades and with all these titles and with all of these things that I wanted you to see before I, before you ever even saw me. And that was when my real work began there. And It's something that I even have to think about today. You can get attached to things that do not seem like bad things, but they can really inhibit your ability to live fully. Towards the end of my treatment there, I'd done so much work on my attachments. And then at the end, I've been a singer my whole life, and I was singing in this chapel service like every Sunday. And it was like, you know, two months before I left there. And the vice president of the whole facility was like in one of my sessions that day. And he said, and I was like, what is he doing here? You know, I sit down with my therapist and I'm like, are they going to discharge me or what? Is he going to tell me how good I'm doing? Like I've kind of become a star of the treatment facility. And so I sit down and he said, Mel, are you familiar with the mask exercise? And I was like, yeah, I've done it three times since I've been here. It's hanging on my wall. Would you like me to go get it? You know, it's this whole idea of like that you're wearing a mask and addiction and like you take it off and, you know, put it back on and there's the whole mask. And I was like, yeah. I've done that. And they also made me take my hair out and all my eyelashes and like everything. So I'm really, this is what you get. (laughs) He's like, okay, we're going to continue that work. You no longer will be singing at chapel on Sunday. And it was like this hot wash went through my body. And I was like livid because it was the last thing that I had that made me feel not average, not mediocre. It made me feel special. It made me feel like I could stand up on Sundays and say, you know what? I ended up in this place with all of you guys, but look at what I can still do. Like, look at my talent. And who would think that a talent or a successful business or like the way that you, like these things, who would think that that would be something that we could become unhealthily attached to? But when you have issues like I had, that was another thing that I was just using to hold up in front of me and be like, look at this shiny object and not at me. And it was something that, again, another breakthrough that I had. So I think that young people, especially because you have a constant, I mean, I didn't really have like, you know, whenever I did Miss America, they didn't even have Instagram. When I did Amazing Race, like my third season of Amazing Race, maybe they had Instagram, but. Are you glad they didn't have Instagram at the time? Or do you, you know, I used to be really sad that they didn't because I was like, I could have had millions yeah. of followers because I had like one of the highest Facebook followings, like when Facebook first came mm-hmm. out, like I really built social, and I've now, always been able in to that build. world. So it yes, would have been so nice. Yeah. But I would have had a public fallout. True. I would have had people following me probably for the wrong reasons because like, and I would have, if I would have been guiding people, I would have been guiding them in the wrong direction because I hadn't experienced this stuff in my life yet. So yes and yes and mostly no, I'm glad that they didn't have those things. But also like if you're a person that has issues with things like this and you constantly have a judging audience, 
that's really going to amplify those issues for you. So me, I have a Miss America panel of like eight people that are going to judge me. Like that's one thing. So I get, I meet them one time a year. You know, everybody's always got the normal like family and friends, like the judgy people that are around you in your life. But now with social media, when you have people that will get on an app and look at you and assess, do I want to follow you? Do I want to like something that you do? Do I not like you? It's a constant cycle of judgment. And if you're a person who tends to judge yourself, then that's a tough thing. That's a tough thing to navigate. So I just hope that young people can find a way to stand on their own two feet because A, social media is so distracting and takes up every single second, every single empty second of our entire day. So I think it robs young people of their own ability to think or like be still and like assess. Yes. But also like you're constantly being judged. So you're constantly judging yourself. And if you were like me back in the day, I was judging myself really hard and I didn't need anybody else to tell me. Actually, everybody on the outside was telling me I was doing a great job. But if there had been a group of people telling me I was doing a bad job, I don't know if I could have made it through that because I was crippled by people thinking that I wasn't enough. When did you start to believe that you were enough? At the end of my time in treatment, um, I realized like it was the purest version of myself that I'd ever been in my life. I was 40 pounds like overweight. I had this short cut off hair. Like here I am. I've been removed from the world for six months. But I'd removed all the bad, which in life to find your way to fulfillment, if you've got a flashing red flag, like addiction, or if you're in a marriage, like an affair, or you've got like some unresolved trauma in your life you haven't worked through. If you have a red flag, there's almost no way to true contentment unless you deal with that red flag. I had to deal with that red flag. You know, when I removed that though, it's like my spirit came alive again and like my soul could shine. And I removed like all the bad that was just like cluttering up the good because I think I was and am and most people are innately good. I just think that there's so much that we can do to cloud and override and overshadow and distract us from that. I did. I did. I really loved the person that I was then. And um, that was one of the like purest versions of myself I feel like I've ever been. But also there's a chapter in there. I used to film travel shows and I, I had this travel show that I was filming in Malta and it's called like Relight the Fireworks. And I talked about that was when my kind of addiction was spinning off the rails a little bit. And I was really spinning out of control in that I'd just done these big things. I'm in my early 20s and I needed something else to do and particularly something else to do that people on the outside could see me do. Mm -hmm. Because like it was one thing for me to be, I'd had all the accolades and I'd done all the things. I was valedictorian in my class and, I, you know, I had all those like little titles that people, I'll like check off the list and tell to whoever I need to tell to. But it was really amazing when I could do things like Miss America or the Amazing Race or these these things that everyone could watch on TV. So you had a I bigger audience. I didn't even have to tell them about my success. <laughs> they could tune into CBS and it they could see it. was more streamlined this way. Yes, it's <laughs> yes. much more streamlined. Much more streamlined this way. And I was looking for like my next big thing. So I did this travel show and I filmed this travel show pilot and I lived in this country in the Mediterranean called Malta. And I unintentionally detoxed from the medication. So I was on Am Adderall and Ambien were the medications that I was on which some people need that. Like I do, I was not ADHD diagnosed and I only had a sleeping problem because I was on so much dang Adderall. So like my problems were not, I should not have been on that medication. I shouldn't have been ever prescribed that in the first place. And I was taking so much of it that I had to find other ways to get it. Like a 30 day period, my 30 days of medication would run out. So I unintentionally, I go to film the show and I can't get some sketchy doctor to help me fill a prescription early in Malta. Like they're going to be like, what? No, we don't have that here. So I came off of those medications. It was the first time that I've like detoxed and I felt like my spirit come alive again. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I like myself like this. Like I felt like I, I loved myself again. And I felt like so much like disdain for myself and the failure that I felt like I was becoming and all of that whenever I was on these medications because I was really crippled by them. And so like there were always glimmers of this self-love in my journey. And it's never something that you just find and you got it, check it off the list and everything's good. You always have to continue to return to it because then you're going to get to times in your life like I am right now where you're, 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 you have pregnancies and then you're postpartum and you have to like learn the way that that you are again and love the way that you look again when your body looks so foreign to you 
And so it's always a cycle back to that. But I, tr- I love my life now and I love the place that I'm at. And the life that I live now is full of so much just pure fulfillment and contentment and joy. Just like the only word I could use to describe the way that my life feels now is vibrant. Like, and that's why I included it on the tagline of the book, like living fully dare to step into your most vibrant life. I don't even remember what the original question was <laughs> that you asked me. No, you answered it. That sent me off on the vibrant tangent. But Self-love. Self-love. Yeah. Self-love. It's always a process. You're always going to be coming back around to it. But those are two of the times that I really felt it. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Let's say someone is listening and they're in their 20s and they're in a place where they're just very unhappy, but they don't know what to do about it. And they want to get to where you're at, but they don't know where to start. What are some tips that you would give them to kind of like maybe kickstart their journey? So I would always remind people in their 20s, like if you're feeling discontent, I always pull this line out of the book over and over and over because I think so many people think this way. But the absence of bad is not a qualifier for a good life. If you're looking at your life and you're saying, well, nothing's really wrong. So that means it's good. That is not the way to live your life. And I think so many people feel that way that as long as things aren't going wrong and as long as everyone's around them mostly happy and as long as their bills are getting paid that this is the good life it's not the good life like life should be not simply spent in avoidance of pain so I want you to look at your life and I want you to assess and say am I just avoiding the bad because that's the pain avoidance that we've already talked about I would say because we've already talked about it today it's very important in every step of living fully like I wrote 17 different chapters on what living fully looked like to me at different times in my life. So different times in my life, I had to break through something different. So maybe it was just like fear, this constant fear loop. Maybe it was life threw me a curveball and I didn't know what to do next. Maybe it was like the loss of like a human being. Maybe it was a pure full-blown addiction. There are so many different things that I've written about and, and there's always something that's standing in your way. In order to figure out what that is, you can't just read a book and be like, oh, I pick number 13. You have to assess your own life. I can't look at anybody and say, this is your problem. Only you know that. So someone in their 20s, if you feel badly about the way that things are going now, you have to take a second and assess it. And you have to think maybe you need help alongside a professional, but maybe you can do it all on your own. I don't think that people should be scared of this way of life because it's not something that you have to halt your life to do. Like you can very much live this way alongside just living your normal life. It's just about a little bit more intentionality. So I would say, take the time, maybe it's with the help of a professional or maybe it's not, like I said, to assess what are the things that are standing in your way? Is it a relationship? Is it the job that you're in? Is it an addiction? Is it you are spending eight hours a day on Instagram? I'll go ahead and tell you like that is... A big problem. (laughs) Yep. What is the thing that's standing in your way? Because you can't fix what you don't know. So you have to figure that out. So those are the first two things I would start with. Amazing. And everyone should read the book because it's absolutely incredible. Thank you. I would have brought it for the table, but I have a Kindle. So it's actually very convenient when you highlight a lot of things because it was all in one You can highlight on a Kindle? Yes. And then there's a, a section for the highlights in the notes. Oh, well, maybe. Well, you you should get a sponsorship from Kindle because you just sold you're, one. You were telling me. <laughs> I literally, I read a hundred books last year and I'm like, I don't know how many times I can say to my Kindle, like, I just need them to love me. Anyway. Um, okay. So what are your, fa- what are your favorite books of like the books you read last year? Because I'm a big reader. I listen to audiobooks actually so a lot. So a lot of my books that I read last year were fiction. Okay. Because a lot I'm not of my a fiction stuff, reader. that was my thing. I wasn't I'm such either. a three wing two that I'm like, it's a waste of time. That's how I felt <laughs> for so long. But then I was like, okay, if I had this problem where like, I felt like I, before my problem was that like, I just like worked all the time and I worked to avoid. And mm-hmm. then I was like, well, I ha- I thought I had to be doing something productive at all times. So even when I was reading, yeah, you I were doing it to be just doing, to be, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. So then I, I was like, I'm going to make myself <laughs> read fiction novels. But whenever you want to, if you ever have time, you know, as a mother, I have great book racks. I do have good nonfiction ones, but the ones that come to mind are fiction. Do you do manifesting and vision boards and yes. stuff like that? Yes. Have you read Tara, Tara Swart's book, The Source? No, I haven't. Okay, so. Wait, I think this is on my list as of recently. You need to wait, read okay. this book now. So I love as an author, like sharing about other books. I'm religious, but like also I very much believe in 
manifesting mm-hmm. and like the law of attraction. And I think it goes hand in hand with like asking you shall receive. And it's always I've been doing it ever since I was like five. Yeah, and I'm really good at it now. And she has transformed the way that I do vision boards and that I think of the things that I want to bring into my life. She's a neuroscientist and she studied oh God, neuroplasticity so yeah. for her whole life and the ability of the brain to truly change. So she used to work in the prison system and like all these places. She was a psychiatrist in the UK for years and years. And she was like, there's something to this. And the only people talking about manifesting and vision boarding and the law of attraction are woo woo and mm-hmm. crystally and stuff, which I also like that kind of stuff. So she was like, I'm going to, I'm going to study this scientifically. And she studies like scientifically the way that the brain can change, the way that you can alter things, the way that you can like truly bring things into your life. And it's really cool. So you should read, you should read that. I Uh love like anything brain health wise too. So like, I love that. Uh huh. Okay, perfect. I'm adding that to my list. Yes. Okay. So where can they find you? So I have a website, MalloryIrvin.com that has everything. So I have merchandise. I have a YouTube channel. I also started on YouTube. I have a blog. I have a book. I have a podcast. I'm everywhere on the internet that's not sketchy. (laughs) We really like have everything. But Instagram is where we mainly are. So it's just Mallory Irvin, M-A-L-L-O-R-Y-E-R-V-I-N. And um, I would love for them to come over. Anyone that reads my book, like you even just saying that you took the time to read my book, like nothing could mean more because it's such a it was my greatest vulnerability. And I didn't need I had like nine other businesses. I didn't need to write a book. I wrote a book truly to help people live a bigger life like like I learned to do. I didn't write it to check something off a list or to say I wrote a book. I, I truly wrote it for that. So I appreciate like anytime someone gives me a platform to reach a following that like may not know about it. Like it just means so much to me. Poor uh, you and I, we we had quite the journey getting here. I was like, <laughs> I thought it was a Zoom interview. And she was like, no, it's in person. So I was like, okay, I'll drive there. It'll be 30 minutes. I'm like, you are so sweet and so patient. It's the first time that's ever happened. So thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And especially like, I love it that you're speaking to a young audience because if someone's coming to a podcast like this, they're a person that's seeking a different kind of way to live. Yeah. And to be led and guided by someone like you that's so pretty and successful and well-spoken and seems to really have stuff figured out at a young age, like they're looking for that kind of guidance. And so to to even be able to speak to your audience is really an honor. And it's very, um, I just am very grateful to have finally made it here 45 minutes after we were supposed to start. No, thank Bless your you. heart. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Everyone buy the book. It is so good. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for reading it. Thank you guys for listening. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, leave a nice five-star review, a nice rating. Say something nice, you know? Screenshot the show, post it to your stories. Tell me what you liked about it. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and I will talk to you next Thursday. Bye.